Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. The series we're in is called, Well, That's Awkward. Something I say every week is that reading the Bible is a good thing, all right? And you're like, we're at church. Of course, you're the preacher. Of course, you're going to say that. But the reality is the Bible's awkward. There's some awkward parts. You're like, what do I do with this? How do I translate this? How do I live my life according to this? And so what we're doing is essentially looking at, in my opinion, the most awkward verses or passages in the whole Bible. We're finding spiritual truth in them. We're seeing what is God actually trying to say through this that we're just missing and how can this change my life? That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Um, These are verses you may hit skip if you could. You know what I'm saying? Anyone use YouTube? You know what I'm saying? You're forced to watch the five-second ad, and you're just like, I just want to see Skip, fine. Do you remember when YouTube didn't have ads? The glory days. All right? Right on. I mean, you used to, you, I remember the first ad came on YouTube. I said, what is this? I feel like something had been taken from me. Okay? Now, maybe not, maybe YouTube's not your thing. Maybe Netflix is your thing. Anyone watch Netflix? Have Netflix. All right. Um, I did something on Instagram. If we're hanging out on Instagram, you would have seen this. You could have participated. But I asked, the, I asked everyone, I said, hey, um, what are some of your favorite Netflix little intros? You know what I'm saying? Like, what show do you watch on Netflix? And you love the intro. Which ones do you hate? Because Netflix is smart. They have the skip intro button. Y'all know about it? They used to not have that. They figured it out. And you just hit skip. These verses we've been talking about are skippers. You come across them in your private study or you're doing quiet time. You're like, skip. Don't want to listen to it. Don't want to read it. It confuses me. I don't like it. But I asked everyone on Instagram, what, what, you know, what's your favorite? What's your least favorite? Friends was very popular. Does anyone, lo- does anyone love Friends? All right. Does anyone love the Friends intro? Does anyone hate the Friends intro? You're like, no, it drives me. A few of y'all, you're scared. You're scared a mob of Chandler and Ross fans are going to come after you. You should have seen the fans are like me. The people who don't like friends are like, how about the office? Okay. Who loves the office intro and you watch it? No. Okay. A few. Who skips it? For you guys, you've heard it enough. You've heard it enough. That's fine. Um, speaking of awkward, The Office is a great show to talk about awkward moments, awkward things. Well, this verse, consider it the intro to The Office. If you've seen it a thousand times, you're like, pass, what's next? This is a popular passage we're going to be talking about, but there's a detail you may have missed right on. If you grew up in church, even if you made Christmas and Easter, you maybe have heard this. If you're new to church, don't worry. We'll get you caught up real soon. This is the passage we're going to read from Mark 14. This is Jesus's the last the, 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 the really last little bit of his ministry. He's about to get arrested. He's about to get crucified. These are some of his last words. Right now he's in a garden and a mob comes at him to arrest him. He says, am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. His friends, his followers, the people he's lived with and prayed over and been with for years, they all abandoned him. But that's not the end of the story. 51, it's about to get awkward. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked. Leaving his garment behind. Somebody say, we got a streaker. 
we got a streaker right in the middle of the Bible, right in the middle of one of the most intense moments that there is. We got a streaker. Oh, Lord. You good? Okay. Thank you. Give it up for the bear. Hey. I think that was Jeremiah Feld. I could tell from his neck tattoos. Is Jeremiah here? His seat's empty. It was Jeremiah. At least he had clothes on. I don't know what he was wearing under the bear suit. But at least he... Okay, that, we actually did not plan that. that. That's why I started to sweat a little bit. It stresses me out just a little bit. But the point is, we got a streaker. If y'all see anything, would you give me a signal? Okay. Just, I don't know what, just make it up. Do a bird call or something, make, make a noise. So turn to somebody and say, we got a streaker. We got a streaker, we got a streaker. Let's pray, and we'll jump in. All right, Father God, um, I'm, a little close, I'm a little scared to close my eyes right now. But Father God, thank you for this church. Thank you for moving in our midst. God, thank you for just showing us grace. Thank you, God, that the AC's on. We're excited about that. We're excited that you're going to hopefully teach us something new today and work in our midst. We love you. Um, I thank you that everyone is here. God, I, I, I help everyone feel comfortable. If someone hasn't been to church before or is stressed out that they're in church, I can't believe I'm in church, help them feel relaxed and good and cozy and right at home. Help them not feel um, just out of place at all. We love you, and please speak to us today. In your son's good name, amen. So let's break it down. We got a streaker. I'm not going to ask who here has been streaking because that'll just get awkward real fast. I'm not going to say put your hands up because frankly, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. We're going to go to the scripture. But before we begin, you need to know where they are. They're in a garden. Somebody say garden. That's, that's very important. That's a very important part. It's a very important detail. They're in a garden. Jesus is praying. He's, he knows they're coming for him. And this is what happens. Let's start at the beginning. This is Mark 14, 43. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, one of his closest followers, appeared. With them was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. This is a meek, mild rabbi teacher philosopher. Jesus was a philosophizer, okay? Mellow dude. And they come at him like he's some like warlord. Torches and pitchforks. Remember Shrek? Remember Shrek when they come out to get Shrek? It's like that. It's like the villagers, you know what I'm saying? They have like little pitchforks and torches and they're like, we're going to get you. That's who came after Jesus. They come at him. But as you can see, the theme here is betrayal. I want to ask you, have you ever been betrayed? Now, before you answer, you probably are thinking, yeah, maybe, I don't quite know. But I think we over-dramatize betrayal. There's big betrayals and there's small betrayals. Some are little tiny ones. A friend was supposed to hang out with you. They bailed. They bailed. Maybe you're on, you're on Tinder and you got a Tinder date and you're supposed to get Starbucks and they don't show up. You know what they call that? Ghosted. Is that right? Ghosting? I said it wrong last hour and everyone laughed at me and I felt like a total dad. Is it ghosted? We used to not say that. We used to say fizzled out. Hey, you ever talk to her anymore? Oh no, I fizzled out. Now everyone says, oh, I got ghosted. That's a betrayal, a little betrayal, not a big deal. I hear footsteps behind me. It's seriously freaking me out. Secure security, security, can you? It's a horrifying thing trying to focus when clearly there's someone like eight feet behind me. In the shadows. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep, we're going to keep moving. Seriously, make a sign if anyone's back there, if you see anyone. Let's talk about big betrayals. 
Big betrayals. These are things that sometimes last for decades. I'm talking about your spouse is unfaithful. I'm talking about you don't talk to your kids anymore or you have in years. I'm talking about maybe a job has betrayed you. You were told oh, you got that promotion. Stay here and to finish the year out, it's yours. And they pulled their back, you know, they, they kind of pulled back on you. Maybe you feel like the military betrayed you. They said, this is the last deployment. Welcome back, Jeremiah. Oh. <laughs> Next time, don't sit in the front. It makes it really obvious. It was. Speaking of betrayals. Some are big, y'all. And these big-time betrayals, they're things that you don't just forget. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a week goes by and you forget, you move on. These are things that stick with us. But I came to tell you today, okay? I came to tell you this. God will not let anyone who has betrayed you limit you for where he's leading you. He will not let a single person who betrayed you, who stabbed you in the back, who said something and did the other, he will not let a single one who betrayed you limit you for where he's leading you. Because this is what you think. You think, well, I was on this path and they stabbed me in the back. I was planning this. We were going to get married. They turned their back. They left me. They abandoned me. The plan's ruined. It's over. What am I going to do next? God will not let anyone who betrayed you limit you for where he's leading you. God has a purpose. He has a plan because I know who you are. You're out there thinking, if they just supported me, if they just had my back, if they were just with me, if they just parted with me, none of this would have happened. But you need to realize something. At the most epic moment of Jesus' life, the moment in which salvation is about to be achieved for all of humankind, you know what jump-started it? A betrayal. God worked through a betrayal to kick off a series of events that brought the salvation of all humanity. When a betrayal happens to you, don't sit back and say, how could God work through this? Where would we be if Jesus hadn't been betrayed? I don't know. I don't quite know the answer to that. I don't know what would have happened, but you need to realize it's all a part of the plan. The next time you're betrayed, before you go down this, this, this spiral of what about this, what about that, you need to realize God has a purpose. God has a plan, and a betrayal is not going to stop that. It's not going to derail you. It's not going to stop you for what he's doing in your life. One more thing on betrayal. Did you know that God was betrayed? He was betrayed. Jesus Christ, the incarnate son of God, he was stabbed in the back by his closest followers. When you're laying in bed crying... When you're driving to work and finally you're alone or you're in the bathroom with the door shut, shower on, nobody can hear you, and you just let it go. When you're crying, when you're bawling, when you're crying yourself to sleep, we do not have a God who cannot relate to our weaknesses. We don't have a God a million miles away in heaven saying, man, that sucks. No, no, no. We have a God who can look at you, who can put his arm on you and say, I know how it feels. I know what it's like. I've been there. And that is so much more powerful. That is so much stronger and a God a million miles away. No, he understands. And he's with you in this struggle. 44. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. He said, the one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi. That's how Judas talked, by the way. And he kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near him drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. So a fight's about to break out. They take Jesus. They're like, not today, Junior. And they're about to fight. And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Chill. Pump the brakes. Jesus says, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you. You had ample opportunity. I was teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. That verse should comfort you. It should comfort you. The scriptures must be fulfilled, meaning God has a plan going on that you can't see right now. 
Meaning when you're betrayed, you need to just say that. Meaning God's going to work in my midst. God has a plan and he has a purpose. I might not get it. This might seem like the worst thing to ever happen to me, but I'm going to trust that God is working. The scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Now this is the time Jesus needed friends, family, community, love the most. And they were all gone. They all left. They all just bounced. They all jumped out. And that's the end of the story, right? No, it's time for the awkward part. Somebody say, let's get awkward. Let's get awkward, baby. Let's get awkward. 51, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment. He didn't have any underwear. It's weird. Was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Somebody say, well, that's awkward. Well, that's awkward. I want to get a visual for you. I thought I'd have someone run by in like one of those flesh-covered suits, but that, was, that would have been weird. It would have turned into more of a circus than this is already. So, hey, let me just say, never Google image search streaker. You don't want to do it. But when I think of streakers in movies, I think of my man, Will Ferrell. That should make you awkward. That should make you uncomfortable. This is not a comforting sight, okay? This is in the Bible. The most serious moment, Jesus is arrested, the whole thing's falling apart, he's going to die, and then a streaker. It's awkward. It's awkward. Maybe not this, yeah, maybe Talladega Nights. Will Ferrell is perfect for the middle-aged guy, hairy, and just running around in his underwear, okay? It should make you feel awkward. It should make you uncomfortable. What is going on here? This is a tense, serious moment. The authorities grab him. Let's break this down. Let's figure out what is happening. This is only in Mark. There's four Gospels which tell the story of Jesus' ministry and his death and his resurrection. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's four of them. And they're not photographs. They're paintings. They're pictures. They're, 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 they're illustrations of who he was and what he did. They're works of art. They're beautiful. Mark is the shortest. Mark is kind of jumpy. It's kind of jumpy. It says immediately this, that, that. If one of them is going to leave out a detail, it's Mark. All right? Mark is the one where Matthew will tell a story this long. Mark will tell it like this. He was short, kind of to the point type of guy. Mark is the only one of the writers who includes this story. That's very strange. Some have, some have believed because of that that this is actually Mark himself. Throwing it in there. Could you imagine if you went down in history as the streaker? You know how many people were like... Dude, you didn't have a chance to bring the underwear? Could you imagine? That's one theory. Another theory is that um, this was late at night, which it was. We know that. And that someone heard Jesus was in town, and they're like, I don't have time to get dressed. I'm just going to throw on something. I'm going to throw on my robe, and I'm going to go find him. And it was kind of like he was in PJs. Right on, like, I got to go. I got to find him. Put on a robe and run out, which explains why, how, how really odd this is. The third one, which is the one we're going to go with, is that this was some sort of initiation. Some groups have traditions. At UVA, you streak the lawn. It's a tradition. At Virginia Tech, we don't have that tradition. We just win football games. Okay, we don't need all that. We don't need it. Um, We don't need all that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. They should have never given me a church. Never should have done it. Never should have done it. I think you get the point. Some groups have initiations. This is actually what this was. It's an initiation. He probably just went through something called baptism. He was probably a new follower. And what they would do is they would take off their clothes. We don't do this anymore. Take off their clothes. You'd get baptized naked, okay? And then after you were done, you would get clothed in this kind of white robe, this white cloth. It represented newness, new life, starting over. Did you know 25 people got baptized last week? Did you know that? That's exciting. That gets me fired up. 25, that's nuts. 
That's 49 on the year, and that gets us fired up. That's why we're here. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact people exactly where they are. And seeing so many people turn to new life in Jesus is such a big celebration. But they would get baptized naked. I didn't say naked. I said naked. Somebody say naked. It makes you feel a little awkward. Right on, but this is the South. We say naked. So they, th- this is their tradition. They would get baptized naked, and then they get this baptism garment. So that's probably what is happening. You see, this represents something, most likely. Something grabbed hold of him, okay? And he left behind that which represented his new faith. Meaning this, when something threatened his new faith, he dropped his beliefs and ran. He said, I'm new to faith. I'm a Christian. I'm following Jesus. I go to church. I'm doing all this. Something outside him happened to him, grabbed hold of him, and he threw all of it down. He said, I'm done. Dropped it and ran away. Now that's something. That's something. Let's talk about that for a second. Some things I wanted to tell you. First off, I want you to grow. I hope you're growing. I hope you feel like you're growing. I hope you're doing private study or maybe reading the Bible on your own. I hope you're getting involved. And I know it takes some time for us, but I want you to grow. I don't want to, I've said, say this a lot. I don't want this to be a gas station. Come, fill up. This is not an Exxon. It could be a Walmart or a Sheets. I like Sheets. I'm a fan of Sheets. Sheets is real. Yeah, Sheets is real good. But this is not fill up. I'm good for the week. I want you to be growing. I want you to be growing. But did you know that your faith will be tested? Something is going to come and try to tear your faith away. It's going to try to rip it off of you. And it's going to leave you like Will Ferrell. Right? Exposed. Awkward. Out there in the open. I came to tell you so many of you are new to church. And I'm putting you on notice. There are things in your life that want to grab hold of your faith. And want to tear it away. There are things that want to grab hold of your marriage and tear it away. There are things that want to grab hold of your children and tear them away. There are things in this world that want to lay hold on you and tear your faith away. There are. There are. Peter said this later. Now, Peter was there. Peter was one of the ones who bailed. He's the first one to bail. And he talked a big game. Peter said, Jesus, before this, he said, I'll never leave you, Jesus. If anything, I'll die if I have to. The second the mob shows up, he's out. He runs. He runs. Look what he said later. He wrote this. Peter said, stay alert. He knew. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I came to tell you, if you're a person of faith, if you're a person of faith, there's a lion hunting for you. It's, look, it's coming for you. And the more you're getting started, you're getting baptized, you're joining a group, I'm going to start giving, I'm going to join a team. I'm going to actually, for the first time, there's so many of you here who've never had a church. Maybe you've gone, but you've officially said, you know what? This is my church. This is my, this is my church. Well, there's a lion after you. It could be sexual temptation. It could be something small, which maybe most people won't see. It may be something like subtle, like greed or pride or selfishness. It could be something huge. It could be a dramatic, big, traumatic event in your life that causes you to lose your faith. It's going to happen. And I'm going to ask you, what makes you drop your faith and run? Is it when your friends start talking about it? Like you come to church, you check in, and your friends are like, ooh, look who's going to church now. What are you, an altar boy or something? Look at you. And you're like, nah, man, it's not that important. It's not a big deal. I just go. There's girls, there's donuts, like, it's not a big deal to me. (laughs) Some of you, that's it. That's all it takes. You're like, drop it. Throw off the coat. Done. I quit. Done. Some of you, it's deeper. Maybe it's if you disagree with God, thinking you know better. 
God did some or didn't do something you wanted him to do or you expected him to do, and you just can't get through your head, why would he do this? Why would he not heal that person? Why would he not give me that opportunity? Why would this play out the way it's playing out? And you say, God, because I don't see a situation, sorry, because I don't see a solution, God, there can't be one. And therefore, I'm going to turn from God. I'm going to throw off my cloak. I'm going to throw it off. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's when you don't see the point in obeying. What is it? What is that thing that wants to grab hold of you and tear your faith away? I wanted to tell you that. The second thing I wanted to ask you is, did you know that one of the ways to protect your faith is through community? Notice when they got this dude. It wasn't when the crowd was there. No, no, no. He was alone. It was dark. Everyone had left. He was exposed. That's when it's going to come. That's when it's going to happen. Notice how powerful community is. If you have a community, you can defend against it. You need a small group. Small groups are semester-based. They're only 10 to 12 weeks. They're starting up again in, semester, in September. You need, a, you need a group. You need people to talk to, pray with. They're about 10 to 15 people. You meet in homes. You do a Bible study or you talk about the sermon and you just live life together. You pray, you eat, you hang out. Some are every week, some are every other. Men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, singles groups. You need to hang out with people. Some of you need a team. Some of you love this church. You want to see it succeed, but you need to serve. Because some of you sit around a circle, that's not your thing, but you're like, you know what? I'll set up the church. I'll be on security. Right on. Security's cool. You hang out. You get cool radio. Some of y'all need to join security team. Some of y'all need to join A-Kids. Okay? Or first impressions. Hanging out, high-fiving people. There are a lot of opportunities. Warren Buffett has a saying, and it involves nudity, so it's perfect. If I can summarize it, he essentially says, you can tell who's been skinny dipping when the tide goes out. Meaning this, if you're in the ocean, you're splashing, you're playing, you're having fun. That's how I do at the beach. This is what I look like. Right on, this is me. If you're having fun and the tide's up, oh, someone recorded it. Okay, um, stop, don't do it again. Um, if that's you and the tide's up, you mean, meaning things are good, nobody can tell. You're fine. But when circumstances change, when you get that diagnosis, when the tide goes out, when the money goes low, when you lose that job, when circumstances change, when your spouse abandons you, you can tell you've been skinny dipping. Meaning you can tell you don't have that community. You don't have that support. I'm not saying it's ever too late, but I'm going to tell you this. It's much, much easier when you get that call about the diagnosis to already have the support than to run out and say, I got to go find it. Now, it's not too late. If that's you right now, I'm not saying it's too late for you. No, no, no. But a group, a team is a huge deal. So let's look at the rest of the Bible. Let's go back to the streaker. Let's figure out what he's doing, what's going on. Let's look at all of scripture and see what exactly he's saying, what exactly Mark wants us to know. You see, when humanity was new, we got ourselves into a mess. Adam and Eve, representing all of humanity, we, we turned from God. We turned from him. We said, we want to be our own gods. We want to do our own thing. We're going to sin. We're going to turn. We're going to turn our back. And Adam and Eve sinned to be their own God. And the human race had sin enter it. The world has fallen. It got us into this mess today. And ironically, it's something we do every single day. We try to be our own gods. But what is one of the consequences that happened when Adam and Eve sinned and turned from God? If you've ever read the passage, you'll know it's that they realized they were naked. They turned from God, and one of the first things they did when sin entered the world, when it entered their hearts, is they said, oh, Lord, we naked. They felt exposed. They felt vulnerable. They felt out of place. You need to know this. You absolutely need to know this. Adam and Eve were in a garden. The streaker's in a garden. Hmm. Adam and Eve were naked in a garden. 
This streaker is naked in a garden. Adam and Eve were naked in a garden and ran and hid, and this streaker was naked in a garden and ran and hid. What is going on here? It's like the Bible has a plan. It's like the Bible has a purpose. Here's what's going on. You see, we first turned from God in a garden. We ran and we hid. So did this little streaker. He just turned from God in a garden and ran due to nakedness. And today we are still, you and me, running and hiding. We feel the nakedness. We feel the shame. We feel that. And we just run. We just bounce. We just dip. So what's next? Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They're naked. What happens? They tried to clothe themselves. You need to realize we try to clothe ourselves. It's our MO. We do it all the time. We absolutely try to clothe ourselves. What does that mean? That means trying to cover the effects of sin. We try to patch this giant gaping hole in our hearts. We absolutely do. We try to cover up the isolation. We try to protect ourselves. We try to become self-actualized. We, we try to find meaning in something other than God. We try to find purpose in something other than God. We try to go our own way, try to prove our worth. We try to cover our past ourselves. Sin has ripped all those things away from us. And we say, God, I don't need you. I can figure it out myself. Let me do it. Let me try it. Ironically, trying to do it all ourselves, being our own God is what got us here in the first place. The way that we try to get out of this sin condition we find ourselves in is what got us here in the first place being our own God, doing it ourselves. It turns out we can't clothe ourselves. We can't redeem ourselves. We can't help ourselves. We need a savior. Only God can do it. When Adam and Eve were naked, what did God do? You may not remember, so I'm going to tell you. They're naked. They're trying to hide. They're trying to cover themselves. What did God do? He does something odd, something awkward. Look at Genesis 3.21. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God didn't kick them. He didn't shame them. He said, how, he didn't say, how dare you? Look what he did. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin. God said, I'm going to clothe you. He says, you're naked, meaning God says, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to help. This is true today. God says, I'm going to help. I'm going to get involved in your life. You just turned from me. You just disobeyed me. You just severed a relationship with me, but I still love you. God says, I want a relationship with you. God says, I want to know you. Let's do this together. God says, let me come into your life. God says, let me make this right. God says, obey me. Follow me. Did you see this? Did you see this? To cover our sin, it took the death of a little animal. You see, skins don't just come out of nowhere. God didn't have a cloth collection he just pulled from. No, no, no. It took a skin, meaning God had to kill something that wasn't involved. Poor little lamb. Lamb didn't do anything. Adam and Eve sinned. God says, I have to cover them. God found something innocent. It was slain, and its skin was used to cover the death, sorry, the falling of the guilty. Did you know this is the first death recorded in the Bible? It's right here. And it's a result of sin, something that could clothe them, something that could cover their sin. So let me recap, because this is confusing. I'm going all over the place. Let me slow down. Let me recap. Let me show you what I'm trying to show here. We turned from God in a garden. We sinned. We rebelled. We hid. And here in this story with the streaker today, God is also in a garden. Jesus Christ is in a garden starting the process of redemption to deal with our sin, to heal us, to deal with our running away, to bring us back home, to cover our nakedness and shame, to reverse the first garden. When Jesus Christ was in that second garden, you know what he was doing? He was preparing to reverse the effects of the first garden, reverse the effects of sin, of isolation, of brokenness and pain. And how did God clothe us? How did he do that? 
God making these clothes was just to make us think of something. Look at Galatians. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Somebody say clothed. We've clothed ourselves with Christ, meaning God covers you with love. He wants to wrap you in his holiness. He wants to absolutely protect you and clothe you with newness and second chances and grace, but it only can come from him. And it took the death of the innocent, the innocent son of God. You see, when humanity turned from God in the first garden, God showed us it took the death of an innocent animal to clothe us to cover our nakedness. While humanity is still turned from God, as in the garden here, the garden with the streaker, God showed us it took the death of his innocent son to clothe us, to cover the effects of sin, to put it away once and for all. You see, when Jesus Christ was up on that cross, you were on his mind. You see, he died the death we should have died. He took it upon himself. That that nakedness, that separation from God, that loneliness, he experienced all that on the cross so you and I wouldn't have to. So that you and I wouldn't have to face that. He suffered and died for me and for you. He took our place. He died the death we should have died so that we can live freely and innocently and openly before God. Do you realize he died naked? Now, a lot of the pictures you maybe saw growing up, he had something covering him or he had a thing on. No, no, he died absolutely naked. Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, he took our nakedness on the cross. He took our nakedness. He took our isolation. He took our sin. He took our shame. He said, I'm going to take what they deserve so that they can be free, so that they can be clothed, so that they can be protected and held in God's arms. That's what he did. And I came to tell you today, you don't have to be naked anymore. You don't have to run anymore. Yo, you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to force it anymore. You don't have to fight so hard to feel good and to feel loved and to feel cherished anymore. You don't have to do that. You don't have to pretend anymore. You don't have to be naked or hide or be scared anymore because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He took our nakedness upon himself. There's a song we sang last week. It was beautiful. If you were here, you heard it. Well, we're not singing it today, but we'll sing it again. It says, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. Meaning if you were in Christ, you were clothed in his righteousness. You're not naked. You're covered. And we can faultless stand before the throne. We can be clothed in his righteousness, clothed in his grace, clothed in his love. We are no longer naked. If you're not naked, why are you hiding? If you truly know God's love and his passion and how much he loves you, you wouldn't be running, you wouldn't be hiding. Y'all, he's all we need. You need to realize when God looks at you, when he looks at us, he doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your shame. He doesn't see your isolation. He sees us no longer naked, but clothed in the righteousness of his son. We don't need to hide anymore. God is offering us a new garment, a new blanket. And if you have embraced Christ, you are clothed with him. You are clothed with newness. You are clothed with grace. You are clothed with second chances. Will you embrace that today? Will you take hold of that today? Will you realize, you know what? I am 
I am naked. I am vulnerable. I am exposed. I am not protected. I feel like my life is a shambles. I feel like it's a mess. I feel like there's nothing protecting me. I feel like I need to constantly cover up and justify myself and put on a show. Will you stop that today? Will you turn from that today? Will you quit hiding and running and embrace the love of God? He can cover you with his grace. He can cover you with his peace. And most importantly, he can cover you with his love. Will you embrace that? Let us pray. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.